Hey, this is Jeff. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk to another great leader about faith, church, and leadership. Welcome to the Leadership Trip. Rob, uh, remember a couple months ago when we had some friends from Austin, Texas on the show? Austin is a cool town. Austin, they, they still have not invited us out for Tex-Mex, though. But there's some cooler people that live in Austin, <laughs> yeah. right? And we have our first return guest on the show. That's true. And yeah, for, and we had 50, I think we're 54, 55 episodes now. The first person to come back, maybe that's because they're the only person that likes us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but Aaron Ivey is back on the show with us. He has recently released a book called Compliment about mm. marriage. Uh, we had Aaron and Jamie on back on episode i want to say 42 so yeah. if you want to go back and listen to that this is a great conversation but we want to talk to aaron about his new book about marriage about ministry and we just want to welcome back to the show man thank you thanks i, I can't believe i'm the first repeat guest in the history yeah yeah so, yeah it's man, monumental what an, what an honor thank you yeah so it was i mean i got the show and 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 your wife obviously is the queen of podcasting and social media. But I remember getting off the show going, we got to talk to Aaron again. Like yeah. I, I was so enjoyed that conversation. No disrespect to your bride. No. She's right. <laughs> she like, definitely we're clear on that. <laughs> she is the podcast queen. Uh, she just yeah. recently moved into a, a new office too. She's got like a whole podcast studio now and she's killing it. She's yeah. Did she get a, a TV deal or what was that YouTube deal? Uh, no, she, she's been dreaming about having a TV show for a really long right. time and she just decided to just do it herself. So cool. she financed it herself and got an amazing film crew, uh, to wow. do it. The whole first season is already filmed and they're working on season two now. Awesome. Amazing. I saw that. That's, that's so great for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Nothing but, but success there. Um, we do want to talk Tex-Mex. I mean, like you guys are the home of Tex-Mex. We'll get back to that conversation. So yeah, man, I, I can talk about Tex-Mex all day long, every day. There's this new place that just opened up. This is where you guys have to go. It's called the okay. and it's just a little dive. Um, it, but their, their food is hands down the best Mexican food in town. Okay, it's so what is, what is your, like, like when I go to restaurants, like I judge all Italian restaurants, based on how well they cook lasagna right all mexican restaurants on how good they do their tacos you know either street style or whatever right how good are your tacos so what is your go-to tex-mex plate that says this is good tex-mex or not it all starts with the chips and salsa it's got to be the right okay it's got to be salty enough not too salty and the salsa has got to be nails because i i think if you have a mexican restaurant and you have really crappy salsa that's all i need to know i'll never be back it doesn't matter how well you crush anything else. Chips and salsa is where it starts. I like so, the way you think. So really, they've got about 15 seconds to win you over. Because yeah, that first right. bite, you're in or out. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And if they charge you for chips and salsa, oh, I'll walk out. That's that's like Chi-Chi's or Chili's kind of mess. That's not a text mm -hmm. mix. That's not really no. deal. I'm like, no, it's no. chips and salsa. <laughs> right. That's the whole reason I came. Yeah. It's like popcorn at a movie theater. You can't yeah, yeah. have a movie without popcorn. Right. Yeah. Well, you were you were on our show. I think we recorded early in the fall because I remember your kids were in football season. But you didn't tell us you had a book coming out. So how did you had the big secret held it back yeah, on us? No, yeah, because it well, had to be in the works. It it's been in the works for about two years now. Jamie and I, um, we got away for a writing retreat, um, and we're just brainstorming. We spent like five days just coming up with ideas. Jamie and I love ideating and just uh, you know putting energy behind like 
what do we want to do next? What do we want to say next? And there are two books that we said that we would never write. One is a book on parenting and one is a book on marriage. Uh, and we ended up writing a book on marriage. It, 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 it's always felt like this daunting task because you feel like you need to be like an expert on something to write about it. And we are not experts on marriage. We do not have a perfect marriage, but we found a lot of things to be helpful throughout 20 years of being married. And we found it to be like really, really fun and it takes a ton of work. So we're like, man, if, if our story can help people out, um, then it was a privilege to be able to write it. It's not like a theological book. It's just a storytelling book. Like we walked mm -hmm. through 10 different concepts that, that we've found um, to be helpful uh, in marriage and we just navigate through that. So Jamie and I both wrote a book called Compliment. It's two books, right? And it's the same 10 chapters and it's our unique perspective on those and how we compliment each other uh, through marriage. And so when you buy the book, it's a sleeve and it actually has two books inside oh, of it. Yeah. So you can, you know, read my version and then swap with your spouse and you read Jamie's version. Uh, and we didn't read each other's book until it went to the editor. So oh we didn't goodness. collaborate on what the, what the, the content was actually going to be. We knew what the title of the chapter was and kind of the main theme. And then we just both wrote and didn't read a single word of each other's until it came out. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, well, it, it's, you know, this, this whole conversation on marriage is actually um, one that we have not had on the show yet. Second first. Right. Another first. Man, but, but come on. But it's, it's a really important conversation because obviously we're on a college campus. And so there are a lot of young adults. Now, I don't know about other college universities. I can only well, speak about Well, you can tell the later. guarantee of Lee. Here's okay. what the guarantee is. It's, it's sort of the running kind of joke is ring by spring. Or your money uh, back. Or your money back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think every single weekend I see someone, a student on our campus getting engaged. Right. So right. this whole conversation about marriage is a, is a conversation that needs to happen, especially in our context. Like I said, I can't speak for other college, college campuses, but, and I think, I think, you know, what Jeff and I were sort of talking about before the show is that uh, we too feel like, you know, this whole idea of you got to be an expert in marriage before you can actually mm -hmm. talk about marriage. So I really appreciate the fact that you're coming at it from a perspective of, Hey, we don't have our crap together, but here's some things that we've learned to kind of help us through the journey. And I think that's such a, a marvelous, marvelous approach. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Jamie and I got married in college. So yeah. that's part of our story. And um, we didn't have people speaking into our life um, about how to do marriage. Well, actually the, the thing, the main thing I remember people speaking about marriage to us was wait till you get married it's all downhill from there and I think people say it flippantly like as a quick joke but I heard that so many times from pastors from yeah. Christians from non-Christians this idea that like dating is fun engagement is a thrill you're in love but then when you get married it all kind of gets stale and that says so much more about that person's marriage than it does about marriage yeah. because it's not supposed to be that way. It should be the most fun, life-giving, uh, fulfilling relationship that you have if marriage is in the cards for you. So yeah, we, we do feel like this time, that the season that we're living in right now, if you are married, you know that 2020 was probably a really hard year for marriage, for everybody's mm -hmm. marriage. And if you're moving towards marriage, there's so many messages uh, coming at you about what marriage is going to be or what marriage is not going to be. So we just wanted to be helpful um, because we find ourselves talking about marriage so often yeah. in just normal life. So yeah. with that golden nugget of wisdom, that's all downhill from here that you were given as a young married, 
Yeah. That my premarital counseling yes. package. <laughs> how did you guys, how have you and Jamie sort of reframed that in your marriage to find joy, to find happiness, to find fulfillment in 20 years of marriage? We decided early on that that was not going to be our story. Uh, we, we weren't going to settle for a bland or apathetic sort of marriage. And we knew that it would take a lot of work. And so honestly, it's been 20 years of just being very intentional about our marriage in, in the small things, you know, like we, we have dated every single week. We have a date night and we have done that for 20 years. Um, it's those little things that kind of stack up to remind yourself, like, this is the most important relationship in my life. She is more important than my, my kids are. She is more important than the people I'm mentoring. She is the most important human relationship that I have. Then when you realize that somebody is that important, you, you, you have to put the time in that it takes to foster it and, and to make it, make it great. I think where most marriages that I've seen fall apart or become lifeless are the ones that just stop trying. They just stop showing mm -hmm. up. And, and then you become roommates. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. you, stop, you stop loving the other person. So I like what you're saying about the small things that when I do, um, I know this is me repeating myself, premarital counseling, but um, I go through this whole segment. I spend one entire session on something called maximizing moments. Mm. It's, it's exactly what you're talking about in terms of this intentionality of the small things. So, and you, you say, well, what are small things, right? Somebody asks, well, what are the small things in a marriage? When you're walking down the street, make sure you grab her hand and hold it. I mean, it's literally something as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. You, you intentionally take the time to show that you care. Um, it's if she's laying on the couch and she's watching TV, I will cover her up with a blanket. Even if right. she doesn't want one, if she wants to take it off, she can't. She can. You know what I'm trying to say, right? So yeah. I think maximizing the moments, taking care of those little things help you actually rhythmically get through those really jagged parts of every marriage and every relationship because they all have them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And every dating relationship starts out with those little moments. You know, right. when, you're, when you're dating, all you're thinking about is that other person and how to, how to have fun together and, and you can't wait to be around them. And so keeping that in marriage is so, is so critical. And it's ironic to me that um that we we do have to work so hard on it you know we didn't have to work hard on that when we were dating or engaged yeah. it takes so for, work. for you and jamie then in, in your book of course i haven't we haven't had the chance to read it yet but in your book how do you how do you answer that question because a lot of times when people do get married they they take on a different um they take on a different mindset well now that i'm married i don't have to mm. but it should be the mindset is now that we are married we should more yeah. More intimately, more intentionally, right? I mean, so how do you, how do you guys talk about that tension? We gave uh, 10 very simple um, categories that we walked through each chapter. Uh, things like forgive, fight, lead, follow, serve, cheer, yeah. sex, parenting, mission, um, and, and just got like super practical. Like, here's how this plays out in my life. This is how I am choosing to compliment Jamie, to come alongside her and to truly prop her up and elevate her. I think so many times in marriages, it's easy to kind of like the, like flatten yourself out. Like you be, you, you're two very vibrant, passionate people, but then sometimes in marriage, you kind of flatten each other out. Like you're not pushing the other person forward, but making, you want, you want them to be more like you. And, and then you end up with this two people that used to be really passionate about life and about ministry or about things, 
uh, and just kind of get bored, just kind of get apathetic. And so we took these 10 concepts and said, this is how it plays out in our life, super honest in ways that we failed, in ways that we struggle, and then pointing people to, okay, here, here's one way that you can really work on forgiving your spouse and um, asking for forgiveness, things yeah. like that. You mentioned that you and Jamie wrote separately and then didn't read the other's books till you got to the editor. Was there anything when you read Jamie's side of the story that surprised you? Man, that, that's, a, that's an interesting um, question because we were actually surprised how synced up our chapters were. Like it was encouraging for us to read each other's and go, oh, wow, I said something like that too. I, I, I forgot that story that you just told, but man, these actually are locked up. Like they're synced up, working together really well. I was surprised by that. I thought, man, I thought, you know, I would tell a story wrong or get some dates wrong or miss something, say something that was opposite of her. But I was really surprised to see um, how on the same page we were with all of these these topics. Yeah. So, so help us understand then. So like you wrote the book and then you read them. So looking back 20 years, how did you get to where that synchronization happened? Like what were the things you did to over 20 years of marriage stay synchronized like that? And when we, when we were dating, um, Jamie was a new believer and I was also a new believer. And so there was a lot that we were figuring out about our own identity, like who we were. Uh, I don't know that I really understood who I was when I started dating Jamie. I was figuring that out and discovering that. And then as we moved into engagement, we just had some really candid conversations about what do we want our marriage to be like? Like, what, what do we want to do with life? Like, let's make it count. We only have one shot at this. Yeah. You're going to be the only person that I'm married to. What do we want this to revolve around? And so our, our marriage has always been built on a mission. Like we have a mission that the both of us are striving towards. And it's really simple. It's to love Jesus and it's to help other people love Jesus. That's been our mission from day one. And so God has done that through jobs. He's done that through what we use our house for in terms of hospitality and how we both have a heart for mentoring people. So we have two very different careers. Like mm -hmm. she is doing things that are totally in a different lane than what I'm doing but we have that shared mission. And so there's not a collision of like ambition, you're too ambitious, you know, chill out, or I wanna do this, you don't wanna do this. It's revolving around this one singular mission. And so that's so easy for us to be synced up when you got that common mission. Yeah. So what we encourage people to do, whether they're trying to revitalize their marriage or they're just starting out um, moving towards marriage is to zoom out a little bit and to ask those hard questions. What do we want our life to revolve around? What's the mission? behind this thing called marriage that's good yeah i mean and, and framing it in that context um also makes it i think doable right mm. because sometimes you especially when you're young you look at marriage and you look at sort of the daunting task of staying married or staying happily married and we have all of these different questions about sex we got all these different questions about money and all these things that revolve around what it means to be married and framing framing a marriage in that concept i think actually helps it become more, uh, I want to say manageable and pieces, yeah, is what I'm trying to say, like, mm -hmm. it makes it more doable, right? So, um, but one of the things I think I love about what you guys said in, in your book um, is that neither one of you are conflict oriented, right? Neither one of you right. really enjoy conflict. Right. And so how does, how does, um, how have you guys learned to manage conflict from two non-confrontational people? We are still learning that. And 
2020 was our hardest year of marriage. Yeah. Uh, I, we thought that we were like just on a, on a path of like, this is going to be blissful and we've got some things figured out. And then 2020 hit and it was the hardest year of our marriage. Uh, and it was little things stacked up, right? You had COVID quarantine was the big thing, but also for teenagers that are now around us 24 hours a day and not at school. We're quarantined here. Jamie was grieving uh, the loss of a lot of job things. Like she wasn't able to travel and speak, which is really fulfilling for her. We were going through a, a room model, uh, a remodel. So we're living in an Airstream in our driveway. We had somebody living with us. It was all these things stacked up and we lost the drive to address conflict. So we stuffed it and just kept it stuffed. But eventually it, it comes out and it's going to come out the wrong way if you don't like actually address conflict. And so we're still learning. I think what's been really helpful for us is to just to address the conflict immediately and to start with a posture of humility uh, of saying, Jamie, when you did this, I don't think you realized it, but this really hurt me. This was, this was a wound. And for her not to be defensive, but to listen, right? This posture of humility, two people coming together without any weapons in their hand, because we all have weapons that we like to use when we're going up against our spouse or somebody we're dating. Right. My weapon of choice is words, right? I was a, a debate major in college, so I can win arguments with my words, but I have to lay that weapon down in conflict and to say, I, I'm choosing to come to you without any weapon in my hand. I don't want to wound you any more than I already have. So let's just talk about it. That's yeah. been really helpful and game changer for us. Yeah, that's good. You guys are both ministers in different avenues and you mentioned sort of the different lanes you run in and and Jamie's doing incredible things through her podcasts and books and the happy hour. And she used to have live happy hours and you guys mm -hmm. were busy. And then Austin Stone and you guys, you cut an album with Austin Stone. And so there's sometimes some stereotypes that come with ministry. Mm. Like, like I know in the context of some of the churches I grew up, if you're a pastor, your wife played the piano or she led the right. women's ministry or mm -hmm. some of those things that just have been stereotypical. They're not as present as they once were. How have you guys managed a marriage in ministry that has certain expectations that maybe you guys aren't, not even expectations, but stereotypes that you're not living out? Man, there are so many stereotypes. And Jamie and I get this question a lot, um, just in everyday life. And, and it comes from a place of, uh, of not like an indictment, but, but seriously wondering, how does this work out for you guys? Yeah. Like, how did the gender roles work out for you? Mm -hmm. You're a pastor. She is, uh, she travels and preaches and leads people. Like, how does it actually work? And for us, um, you know, there, there are things that are really clear in our marriage, you know, with roles. And then there are some things that just aren't super clear for us. There are times where Jamie takes the lead in things, mm -hmm. but it's never like a, uh, that that's never intimidating for me. I've found Jamie leading out in things that I wouldn't have let out in, like adopting kids from Haiti. That wasn't my idea. That was something that the Holy Spirit like led her to first and she led our family in that. And a lot of the question kind of comes from what the scripture says about marriage and how wives should submit to their husband and husbands should lay down their life. And so it, it falls into this really easy stereotype of, okay, that's the leader and then she's the follower but we're both called to lead and we're both called to follow. And before that passage even shows up in Ephesians, it says that we should both be submitting to the Lord and to each other. Um, and so sometimes that's not really a, you know, 
cut and dry, black and white. There are times where it flexes and it moves and she takes the leadership and then I take the leadership, all the while knowing that God has called me, given me a unique responsibility to lead our family. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of how it plays out for us. Um, and we really wanna encourage other people to really sink into, hey, first, you gotta submit to Jesus, both of you. It doesn't work unless both people truly are submitting to Jesus. And then husbands, the kind of leadership God's looking for is the kind of leader that would lay down his life on a daily basis um, for his spouse. And the kind of submission that he's looking for in a wife is not begrudgingly, um, and it's not being quiet all the time. It's not laying down any sort of leadership role, but it's saying, you are called to be the head of this household. And so I lovingly submit to you and lovingly challenge you and lovingly take the leadership sometimes. I think that's been helpful for us. So let's let's uh, kind of jump a little bit before marriage in the dating scheme as as followers of Jesus. And and I don't need to get into the to the obvious conversations about premarital sex or or whatever. That's not the point. But what are some of those um, personality or some of those characteristics or some of those qualities? in a dating relationship that that young adults may be listening to the show students here on campus what are some of those good indicators of relational health that they need to be paying attention to because while they're dating they're creating the habits that'll carry over into marriage right so how do they how do they begin now or what are the things now that they should begin doing even in the dating phase that will help them adjust or lead into healthier marital mm -hmm. sort of realities mm -hmm. Jamie and I are mentoring a couple right now that are in their early 20s and they're dating but they're moving towards engagement and obviously moving towards marriage and they're both wonderful people they love Jesus and we meet with them you know a couple times a week they're just always at our house uh, he lives with our family so they're, they're really integrated into our family and we, we find ourselves talking about this a lot and one of the I think one of the best uh, pieces of advice that I, I want to keep instilling in people who are dating is build it on the right things because if you build it on the right things it'll last for the long haul and when hard stuff comes and it will come sorrow will come sickness will come uh, loss will come um, if you're building it on the right things then it'll actually weather all of those storms and the most important thing to build it on besides like a deep-rooted uh, love for God and a friendship with God is to root the whole relationship on friendship you know, we do talk a lot about premarital sex and um, it's not that sex is just this like terrible, bad thing, right. but when you remove it from dating, you're actually able to build the relationship on friendship. Like this is my friend. I don't have to make out with her to have a really fun date night. We don't have to have sex in the conversation because we're such good friends. Like building it on friendship, man, is so critical. Jamie and I are still really good friends. Like we like each other. We like we prefer to hang out with each other. And it's because it was built on that back in the day when we were just dating and eating Tex-Mex in Houston, Texas, right? <laughs> that's right. I think so, that's really important to look for. I think it's also important to look and make sure like a relationship is healthy when it's not codependent. Um, that's good. Uh, this couple that I'm talking about, he is so secure in who he is in Jesus that he does not need this woman to complete him. And she's gotten to the point where she loves this guy, but she's so rooted in who she is in Jesus that she doesn't need this guy to be fulfilled and to be content. And I think when two people 
are like that and not codependent on each other, not rising and falling based on what the day feels like, or if somebody did something great or something wrong, but you're just dependent on Jesus and you're able to just be solid in who you are, then the relationship works the way it's supposed to work. It, it's healthy. Yeah. It's, well, we keep coming back to this word, I think, in some conversations we're having, Aaron, is this, this identity of, of individual. Mm. You know, um, I think the Jerry Maguire phase of life is over, the you complete me. You know, I don't think that's true. I think everybody's proven that to be false. Right. That, that if you're secure in your own individual identity and bring that into a relationship, like you're saying, then you have the compliment. Then it's two people who compliment one another, which I think is, I, I hope the premise of how the book started is that you and Jamie are, are alike and opposite enough that those become compliments to one another and their strengths and in the, the weaknesses. So how does a young adult who may be in a dating relationship or, or somebody who's even been married begin to recognize and establish their own identity so they're not codependent? Yeah, I think there's a lot of little things. I think we talk a lot about um, relationships that are just starting, making sure that your whole world does not revolve around that relationship. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy for that to happen where it's like your, your world just kind of like implodes on itself. And all you think about is that person you're dating. And the only person you're hanging out with is the person you're dating. And it's really important in dating to have other friend circles, right? To not, we, we tell, we, we tell this couple, like, you don't need to hang out every single night. You, you don't need your whole world to revolve around yourself. Because if you do that, you're always going to be let down when you get into marriage because that can't last forever. And your marriage is meant to be used, not just for your good, but for the good of people around you. That's why God like was so perfect in creating it is that marriage is meant to be a mission that the world around sees what the heart of God is like. Um, so like making sure it doesn't revolve just around you and that other person, um, but even using your dating relationship as a way to minister to other people. Yeah, that's good. So, and one of the things I love about you guys, and you mentioned this last time we were on the, the show and you mentioned it here, is that even from the beginning of your marriage, there's been an open door of hospitality mm. and, and you have people at the table. And I think that's so important. It's, it's, there's something about sharing in a meal and sharing life together. Um, so were there people in your life as you were young marrieds or dating who were those examples for you guys who are opening their table to you to kind of give you some direction in your marriage? Yes, absolutely. Uh, growing up, and I'm not throwing my parents under the bus. Um, they did a lot of things <laughs> really, really well. But growing up, mom and dad. We, <laughs> we, we didn't have people in our home. I, I don't remember my parents like hanging out with friends. Um, there yeah. weren't people that were just kind of always in and out of our home. It was like, this is our house. This is where we live our life. And then we'll leave here and we'll go to work or we'll go do ministry or whatever. And Jamie and I, like, as we were dating, we started to see couples that were doing it radically different. And they invited us into their home. And it was like an open door, pot. like you guys come whenever you want. And they meant it. So we would show up. Yeah. Uh, one family that I'm thinking of specifically, is it's in our uh, life right now. They're about 15 years ahead of us. They've already launched their kids into the world. And we've just seen them do that really, really well. And one of the things that, that struck us the most about their family is they always had people in and out of their house, always. Mm. We, were, we were always invited to come just hang out at their house and be with their family. And it wasn't for like, come over for dinner or we're gonna meet for two hours or there's something we wanna talk about. 
it was just deep rooted like friendship with this family. And we saw how powerful that was for us because it was an open door for us to say, man, we're really struggling with our kids right now. How did you guys do this? It, it, it was transformative for us. And so Jamie and I are, are trying to watch models like that. And that's what we do. Y'all, I'm telling you, there are people always at our house. Like I'm looking out my office door right now. There's six or seven people over in the recording studio working on songs. Uh, there are always 20 year olds around our dinner table, almost to where like, there've been a few times where Jamie and I've been like, man, we need a night by ourselves. Um, let's not have anybody over. Um, but it is a normal thing for people to be in and out of our home. And our kids are better because of that. They're around mm -hmm. these amazing godly 20 year olds. Uh, it's just really fun. And it's, I know it's a benefit for other people, but Jamie and I benefit from it, mm -hmm. from having people that don't look like us, that aren't in the same age bracket, not in the same income bracket, not the same skin color in our house all the time. And we're better people because of it too. Yeah. I, I think the kids thing is we have, we have college students in and out of our house all the time. And at our table, our kids pick up some of the conversations that are being had that, that maybe they wouldn't bring up. Like our kids wouldn't quite be ready to discuss yeah. and they're catching the wisdom that, that either we're saying, or that's coming from these young adults or catching the conversation that we're having and getting the framework for some other things. And I think that's a value as well. And, and I know that's our heart connects over this, like this open door policy. We tell college students all the time, our door is always open unless we go to bed. That's the only time the door locks at our house. Yeah, like, yeah. We leave the house, it's open. It's, it's not uncommon for us to find college students in our house. I mean, it's just how it works. I love that. Um, so, so that hospitality and modeling and, and the, I think it's really a, a form of discipleship you guys are doing, hmm. but as you go, you're sort of sharing the story with somebody else but you're going to somebody else's house and as they go, they're sharing that story with you. And I think there's this passing down of the narratives and the stories that's really building, not just your marriage, but you're building marriages behind yours. Right, man, I, I really wanna encourage people to take a step in that direction. It, it is easy just to be isolated, you know? Yeah. To, life's hard, man, like jobs are hard. Raising kids is hard. Being young married, is, it's hard, right? but really encourage people to take a step in that direction because your, your marriage is meant to be used uh, for something really beautiful in, in the world. Like, and yesterday uh, I uh, walked onto my front porch and um, there was a 23 year old guy that I'm mentoring hanging out with my 17 year old son. And you, what you said is exactly right. They were talking about things that I don't have the ability to really talk to yeah. my 17 year old about for whatever you know, weird dynamics of father son, all that kind of stuff. Um, he was able to pull something out of him that I couldn't. And that is a beautiful thing. That's the way God intended it is for our life to be a shared life. Um, mm -hmm. uh, moments like that, man, uh, make me so grateful. Uh, and they don't intimidate me. They don't like make me feel like a bad dad. It's like, this is the way God designed it for us to live a life where we are together, not isolated. Yeah. I think this is, uh, this is really tantamount to, to a spiritual discipline, actually. Because because where I am in my marriage, my wife and I've been married 25 years. Um, our youngest is a junior in college, does not live in home. Our oldest is in the military, stationed you know away from us. So growing, you know, our boys grew up with a wide open door policy. They were there were people in our house all the time. My wife and I loved it. We still do love it. But we've gotten to this phase where now we have to be super intentional because. 
we no longer have the ease of access of kids who mm-hmm. connect with kids, right? So right. Literally, right. literally last night, Dane and I were talking in our kitchen. We're like, um, we need to go back and read this book that Kay Warren gave us about hospitality because we've got to start figuring out ways now to share our home outside of our kids, right? So we've got to recreate the spiritual discipline of hospitality in our life where we, we use our marriage, we use our home, we use our gifts and inviting other people into, to that fellowship. Right. So, so it's so cool that, that, yeah, it's cool that it's happening now, but at some point your kids are going to grow up and they're going to be gone. At some point, Jeff, your kids are going to grow up and be gone. And uh, bros, I'm just telling you, you've got to reinvent the wheel because it's a spiritual discipline. Right. Right. And so, so and so it's, it's important for people to understand whether you're just newly married, thinking about getting married or whether you've been married 25 or 30 years like me, it's a spiritual discipline of hospitality. And, and dude, I love, love what you're saying here is that your marriage is meant to be a reflection of God's glory. Yes. Not just for your pleasure. Right. So use your marriage. Mm -hmm. To, to bless and to build uh, others in the kingdom of God. I think it's such a powerful statement. Yeah. You know, it, it costs you something, um, but all it costs is time and intentionality. Like you, right. don't have to, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a nice house um, to invite people into your space. Right. And we know, man, like the season that we're living in right now, things like depression and loneliness are, uh, there, there, it's, astounding man how many people are really struggling with loneliness and depression right now and so what an amazing opportunity that doesn't cost you much just time and intentionality to go i want to i want to use everything god has given me whether it's a lot or it's very little and i want to be a blessing to people and one of the best ways to do that is simply invite somebody to your table Uh, we we started about seven years ago we started the supper club uh, and it was uh, four other couples. And we said, hey, once a month, we're all busy, but once a month, let's just do supper club. Let's go from each person's house. You guys host this next one. We'll host the one after that. They don't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a throwdown, but just a two hour like hang where we can actually just be friends and be humans. All it took, man, was just making the time for it and putting it on the calendar. And so, yeah, I would encourage every every married couple or people that are walking towards marriage to go, man, how can we take a step towards that and use whatever we have in front of us to be a true like blessing and gift to the people around us that really need it. Yeah. That's important. I want to ask a question on the opposite side of that, Aaron, the, the open door policy is great. Having people at the table. I'm a fan of what sort of boundary lines though, have you and Jamie drawn as far as making sure you guys have time, making sure that conversations that, that you need to have are happening first between you before they're shared with everybody else. Help us understand in, in young marrieds, older marrieds, whoever, what are the boundaries you've drawn in that context? Yeah, we definitely do have some of those boundaries. And, and part of it is because the, the season of life we're in right now is super busy. Mm-hmm. Jamie is very, very busy. She's traveling all the time. Um, I'm super busy. Our, our four kids, like, they have lives, right? So they're always at something, a football game, wrestling practice, whatever. Um, so we've had to make some, some clear boundaries. And a couple of those are every single Monday night is our date night. Nobody else gets that spot on the calendar. So every single Monday night, we are peacing out. We're leaving you kids at home. I don't even care if you have food to eat or whatever. You're old enough to figure <laughs> it out. Uh, we're out. This is our time together. Um, that's been monumental. 
And then we also, we tell people that are in our home, hey, you don't have to leave, um, but we don't feel any pressure to have to hang out with you until you leave too. So we might go upstairs and watch a movie. You're welcome to hang out with our kids or hang out outside, hang it, you can watch TV, whatever you want to do. But there is that boundary that Jamie and I have set that we're not going to feel the pressure to be on for everybody all the time. Yeah. And when we want to go to bed, we're going to go to bed um, and not worry about what other people kind of like think about us. I think it's easy sometimes to feel like if you're going to be hospitable then you got to put the face on and people got to see the perfect version of you and the meal has to be done so you can take the lid off right when people come. No, man, like inviting people into your life is inviting them into the messy parts too. Mm -hmm. Them seeing you tired, them seeing you in an argument with your wife or having to parent through a difficult situation. We let people see all of that without the pressure of feeling like we got to put our best, uh, you know, front on. Well, if you come to my house, the only one thing I'm going to guarantee is you're getting Crocs and socks because. <laughs> oh, you you go full on Crocs and socks. Crocs and well, socks. It's trending like, on campus right like now. So. Old man style socks pulled up halfway up my calf. Oh, come and, on. And a pair of gym shorts. It's my wife's worst nightmare. She's like, please, please don't go out in public like that. But that's me at home. So if you come to my house, expect Crocs and socks. You got you got Crocs on right now? I don't, unfortunately. Oh. I'm, I'm at work. I'm at. He's rocking some nice new balance, man. Yeah. He's got strong shoe game. There you go. Strong shoes, strong shoes, man. <laughs> so I want to. I want to have further have a little bit on this conversation, especially on difficult conversations. You said you let let people see the mess. Agree. I think it's important. Are there times when there's certain messes people can't see though? Yes. Um, there are um, there are times where you know the guy that lives with us right now, he was shocked to find out that 2020 was the hardest year of marriage for us because he didn't see a lot of those yeah. like really difficult conflicts that we were in. Not because we didn't like we, it's not because we wanted to shield him from it or he wasn't mature enough to walk through it. But that was just something for me and Jamie that we needed right. to work through. Yeah. And so there are yeah there are moments for sure when we we step away and work through hard conflict stuff um, without people seeing it, without people being involved, because they don't need to. Right. We need to get away and address something that we're going through. Yeah. And I think, I think in that process, what you actually do um, is you, you protect each other's character, you protect each other's integrity and dignity and honor, right? Because that's, that's equal amounts important uh, uh, with your marriage is protecting each other's honor and dignity before others. And I think, Absolutely. Um, you know, it's cool to be transparent, like let people see you struggle. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. But then there comes that threshold, I think, where, where you do close the door and you say, nope, this is between us. This is the covenant relationship piece where we got to we got to work this out together. Right. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, it's important. Absolutely. Super important. Yeah. So just because you guys are, are being transparent, we're going to keep throwing that word out there. <laughs> but what uh, what resources have you and Jamie found that have been sort of helpful for you guys on this journey? Um, you know, there there is a lot of really helpful things about marriage. Um, uh, Tim Keller has has written um, a lot of really good things on on marriage. I don't think there's anything to replace though. Um, having a couple that's a little bit further down the road than you, and having a relationship and a friendship with them, and learning from it in real time. I don't think you can replace that. And I, man, we always encourage young couples whether they're they're still dating and engaged or they're like starting a marriage to just find those people like 
most godly older couples really do have a heart to pour themselves out to the younger generation. And so be on the lookout for them, you know, find them at church, find, find them on campus, like look for the people that you want to model your relationship after, and then just straight up ask them, like, hey, can, can we meet? Like, can we have dinner? We'd love to just learn from you guys and build a friendship on that. Yeah. That has been invaluable to Jamie and I. And there are three couples that come to mind that are that for us and have been for 10 plus years. Yeah. Uh, we learn more from them than we ever could learn from a book um, on marriage. I would think on the other side of the the couples that have been married for a while and and you know are are succeeding at it, they need to go the other way and look for young couples to to invest in as well. Sometimes we think we have nothing to offer, but when we yeah. realize that we've been down the road a bit, yeah. we can go backwards and go, hey, listen, we've already navigated that. We can help you through it. So I think a lot of the the the, the older, not older, I don't want to say older, it sounds better, but couples that have sort of endured marriage, lived out marriage, seen some things, experienced some things, they have something to offer and they just need to sort of realize they have something to offer and sort of reach back to help others. There's so much fear that comes in when you think about pouring into other people. Yeah. I've had to walk through that because there are times where I'm like, I don't, I don't have my life together. What, why am I mentoring this person on how to have their life together? You know, there's so much fear that comes with that. But um, like just kind of crushing that fear, refusing to like play into that and go, no, God did, did do a work in me and he still is. There are a lot of things that I have that I can offer to somebody that's younger than me. Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be formed out. It doesn't have to be like a plan for discipleship. Um, it can just be like being in their life and telling stories and being honest with like what's really hard and what's really great uh, is so powerful. Um, and we all have the ability to do that. Yeah, that's good. good. Hey man, I, I know we're, we're getting close to time. So, uh, we asked you guys the question before when you were on the show, but we're going to ask you again, right? It's the final question we ask here at the leadership drip. We ask all of our guests. And so, uh, you can't repeat the same answer though. You got to come up with a different answer. All right. Okay. I don't remember okay. my last answer. <laughs> well, we'll let you know. <laughs> so, uh, what's one thing you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? One thing I learned in college that did not take place in the classroom um, would be um, man, how to actually be a, uh, a, a good brother, um, a, a good friend to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a lot of like really meaningful friendships when I was in middle school and high school, but I got to college where there was a few men that just really genuinely loved me, not for what I did, but for who I was. I learned a ton about being a good friend. Uh, and you can't learn that in a classroom. You learn that from like receiving it, like yeah. actually yeah. experiencing that level of friendship. Um, and I'm a different person because a few people decided to really befriend me and care enough about me to challenge me to point out things that were character flaws or to affirm and cheer on the things that, that, that were good in my character, life-changing for me. Yeah, cool. that's great. Well, the book is compliment. It's going to be releasing March 2nd, about a week after the release of this episode. So uh, where can we find the book, Aaron? You can find the book anywhere that you buy books. Um, and you can go to Aaron and Jamie and uh, you can read some excerpts and there's a bunch of uh, like uh, videos and resources on there and then we also have a, a seven session bible study that we're releasing awesome. the same day that complements the book um there you go that, that was cheesy right. to use a little compliment i didn't even intend to do that but uh the bible the bible study goes more in depth into 
okay, here's where this is found in the word of God. And it's a, a Bible study that you can do with your spouse or with somebody that you're dating uh, or do it with a group of people. Awesome. Awesome. Great resources. Yeah. And would highly recommend picking this up and, and getting them in the hands of, of married, to be married, still married folks. So yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron, you are, are some of our favorite people. We loved the opportunity to talk to you again. And hey, congratulations on two first. First yeah. conversation about marriage. <laughs> first return guest. Yeah. <laughs> Setting records here at the Leadership Drip. That's what we do. What and we as do. we always say here at the Leadership Drip, you have a seat at the table. Thanks for uh, joining us again. Man, thank you guys. Truly an honor. Appreciate it. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Drip. We loved having you at the table for this conversation. Would you do us a favor and comment, rate, subscribe, and share on your social media? That way we can get this content to other great leaders. And stay connected with us on Instagram at The Leadership Drip and on Twitter at Leadership Drip. And remember, you have a seat at the table.